Rinkwide Vancouver. The Canucks defeat the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 6-2. The Canucks now 3-0 against the Oilers, but more importantly, they are 14 points clear of them in the Pacific Division and Western Conference standings. Another fun night of hockey at Rogers Arena, and we are here to break it all down for you on Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway. It's Jeff, it is Blake, and this hockey club showing no signs whatsoever of slowing down, Blake. They have now won four in a row. They are 7-0-1 in their last eight. I mean, we could throw a whole bunch of numbers at you, but the bottom line in all of this is the Vancouver Canucks look like they are for real. 9-2-1. Pinch yourselves, folks. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's not a chance you would have believed it if we had told you, if we had visited from the future on opening night and said, don't worry, they're going to start 9-2-1. and one. I don't think you would have believed it. And the longer this goes, I, again, we, we keep on trying to keep feet on the ground here. There will be a stumble at some point. There will be a scuffle. But right now, they're just building equity so that they are allowed to scuffle sometime down the road. Jeff, with these points, they are, what do we say, almost at the quarter pole. I mean, they're 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 this close to the quarter pole of the points needed to make the playoffs, and they are one-eighth of the way through the schedule. And again, they're led by their best players, but we're starting now to see depth and secondary scoring that we haven't seen earlier in the season, and certainly that's an area of massive concern. I mean, there are so many like there's this long, long checklist for the Edmonton Oilers, but mm-hmm. one of the keys in this game and in the three-game season series so far, you think back to the game two of the season in Edmonton, where it was Lafferty, it was Stanika, it was Nils Hoaglander, it was Hoaglander again in this one. P.S. Suter, all of a sudden, we were wondering when he was going to get his first. Well, that came in San Jose. He followed it up with a goal against Dallas the other night, and then a big one in this hockey game as the Canucks were down, and they were reeling early, and... For all the buildup in this market, coming off the win over the Dallas Stars, it looked like they were going to get a reality check pretty early. I mean, the shots at one point, Blake, were 13-1 to in favor of the Oilers, and that only tells a part of the story because to get all those shots, you have to have the puck, and the Oilers did. The Canucks could barely touch the puck. Like, there was shift after shift after shift in the first 10 minutes where all the Canucks could do, like all of their energy to get the puck and flip it high to center ice and try to get in a line change and get some new bodies out there on the ice. And this, of course, leads us to Thatcher Demko and, you know, six more goals for the Canucks. And they hold this 3-0 record against the Edmonton Oilers and Quinn Hughes with four points and Elias Pettersson with a late point that puts him atop the NHL. Like There there are so many storylines that we'll Mm -hmm. cover off here, but none of them really matter on a night like this one unless Thatcher Demko is Thatcher Demko in those first 10 minutes of the hockey game. Should have been 3 nothing Minimum. It should have yep. been 3 nothing for the Edmonton Oilers. And then, of course, that changes how the rest of the game uh, plays out. It tests the fortitude. Now we saw the Maple Leafs come back from three goals down in the in the appetizer to this main course here tonight. You know, three goals is doable, but when you're down three after a period of play, which could have been the result after a 20-shot opening period and building a 19-2 lead in shots, I don't know that the Canucks would have necessarily had that belief because it would have been a legitimate drubbing in that opening period. But you can't apologize for having a good goaltender because, <laughs> like, tonight is the perfect example of what a good goaltender can do when you're not a terrible team. Now, if you're a terrible team and just hanging on by your fingernails, no, that's too much to ask of a goaltender. 
Um, but Thatcher Demko was busy the rest of the night, but he wasn't as busy as the first period. And in the first period, he keeps them in it. Skaters catch their breath and are able to build back up. And ultimately, they had 35 shots on goal themselves, the, the Canucks did, so they were no slouch in that regard. And he just gives this team a chance to find their legs and find their hands again. And eventually they do. And they pile on six more goals against the Oilers, who never want to see the Canucks crest again, perhaps, after these first three games of the season series. You don't apologize for Demko. He's one of the top four players on this team. And he's proven it night in and night out. And tonight he certainly earned that paycheck. I don't think he earned his paycheck in San Jose. Let's be let's be <laughs> real here. I don't think he earned the paycheck there. He didn't have to. But he earned it tonight. He made one big save early in San Jose. Uh, here he made a bunch. You're right. Yeah. Like, you know, Ryan McLeod from McDavid uh, into the slot, like a great A look. And he stared him down. A few minutes later, Warren Fogle, who I thought was maybe the best oiler on the night, which kind of speaks to where they are. And that's no knock on Warren Fogle. But he had a breakaway right up Main Street. And again, Demko there just calmly makes the save. And then... You know, the Oilers get the one nothing lead on the Matias Ekholm power play goal, rips it to top shelf, big shot there, his first of the year. And then let's be honest, the Canucks got a break. I mean, Quinn Hughes is Quinn Hughes, gets the puck to the front of the net, goes in of DeHarnay, and you could just sort of feel the wind coming out of that Oilers sail, that one nothing lead was gone. And then, you know, moments later, it's Pia Suter, takes the nice feed from Dakota Joshua, his third of the year, as we said, he scored in three straight. And then Brock Besser, who is just feasting on this Edmonton team, uh, and his night was just getting started. He scored on the power play with five minutes to go in the first period. It's three to one. So instead of you know the Canucks being underwater and having to claw their way back, they've got a three-one lead. Jay Woodcroft calls a timeout, tries to settle his team down and just kind of stall the momentum. The building was alive again as it was on Saturday, and you just kind of get the feeling that the longer this goes with the Canucks and more people start to buy in, that building's going to just continue to hop. And next up is Bo Horvat's return game after the road trip. So, you know, those sort of storylines take care of themselves. But back to this night. Yeah, I mean, the Canucks could have absolutely been buried in the first period by an Edmonton team that in years gone by scores in bunches. But, I mean, the struggle is real for this Edmonton team. There's no doubt. Uh, just look totally disconnected. You know, and as the game unfolded, obviously, to see McDavid and Dreisaitl in the oh penalty box and losing their minds and their coach getting turfed and... Again, I mean, the, the pressure is mounting on this team that is stuck on two wins 11 games into the season. And as we said, the gap is 14 now between the Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. Canucks take the season series. So if it came down to some sort of tiebreaker later on, the Canucks hold that edge on this Edmonton team. And you know they burned off three other games against Edmonton. They held Connor McDavid to three points in those three. They escaped the three games against the Oilers that we all looked at early in the schedule, and thought, man, that's going to be a challenge with this Edmonton power play, the way it was humming along last year. Two of the best players in the National Hockey League and certainly the best player when he's on his game. The Canucks go 3-0. and They hold McDavid to three points, and he has six penalty minutes on top of all of that. He's going to get his as this season unfolds, but they're not going to come against the Vancouver Canucks. The way that those stars melted down late in the contest, <laughs> it's chilling stuff in that, it, you know, you'll wonder what's next here. Does Jay Woodcroft deserve to lose his job? Some will say yes, some will say no. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to point to goaltending. You know, the Canucks had three goals on seven shots in the first period. The GM has not been able to get 
the Oilers a goalie, and it is, and I was going to tweet this, but I, you know, I don't really think this is going to happen. But at some point, somebody's going to say, "I want out." Like, I, "I'm get me off this ride because this is just too damn frustrating." Because you can get all the skaters in the world. Getting Evander Kane was a stroke of genius. Remember when when they acquired Evander Kane? But again, you can only score your way out of so much trouble. And even now, they're not able to score goals. They only got two tonight. So uh, it's a real trouble. And Canucks fans don't care because they love seeing the Oilers oh. struggle. And that, that was part of the Schadenfreude here, wasn't it? I mean, they 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 were not only taking great glee in the Canucks' success, but great joy in the demise of the Oilers as well. So it is two-headed, and if you had the demise of the Flames right now, it's three-pronged joy for Canucks fans to start this uh, this 23-24 season. You said the Oilers only got two. They thought they got three. Yes. Now, let's talk about those two plays because they were key in this hockey game. Still not sure. To me, a trip is a trip. Anywhere on the ice, especially with the goaltender. And Thatcher Demko's, maybe his biggest crime in all of that, looked a little lackadaisical, I thought, when he took the puck and... Well, he know, didn't played, move. He didn't move. Played no. it behind the net. Like He could have moved the puck quicker. Yeah. Um, and he had released the puck. He didn't have the puck on his stick when Holloway made contact. But Holloway very clearly makes contact. And the goalie's got to be able to get back into his net to defend it. And Leon Dreisaitl is going to score a lot of goals, already has uh, in this league. Uh, not many easier than that one. And, you know, at that point, it's 3-2. to two. It gives the Oilers some life when they were on the ropes and reeling a little bit. I don't know. I, I guess you can't challenge for goaltender interference when the goalie's behind the net. I haven't looked through the rule book, but I'm imagining that goaltender interference only applies in the crease when the goaltender's in position. But it just it felt to me like there was definitely contact there that didn't allow Thatcher Demko a legitimate opportunity to get back into the net. I don't know that he would have got back in time, but Holloway can't say that there was no contact. He absolutely clipped Demko. I haven't got the letter of the law in front of me here, Jeff. Years of watching Mike Smith. What we have learned is goalies are the the quarterbacks, if you will, of the National Hockey League. They they get these these protections, goalkeepers and soccer generally. You know, what I've learned is you just can't touch them anywhere. And so for that goal to stand goes against everything we've seen, in my experience at least, in the National Hockey League. Lingering and trying to insert your massive equipment in the middle of the play to me, that's unsportsmanlike conduct. Call it whatever you want, but you shouldn't be able to do that. It's okay that you play the puck, but you should make every effort to get back. He made no effort to get back. I'd like the game to be called like it was, but that is the first time I've ever seen a goaltender get clipped like that and not get the call. We've, how many times did Mike Smith do that to the Vancouver Canucks? I mean, come on. Everything was going the Canucks' way at that point. I just thought he probably should have moved the puck quicker and yep. not put himself in that position, but you know, I'm not here to knock... Thatcher Demko's night. He was spectacular mm -hmm. and a little unfortunate on that play in particular, but I loved the Canucks' response because now it's a 3-2 hockey game and you're thinking Dreisaitl's on the board. Maybe he's into this thing. Maybe McDavid's going to get going here. Nope. Two and a half minutes later, off the rush, Evan Bouchard with just a brutal pinch and the Canucks take advantage. Uh, off to the races, Lafferty down the, the left side with the shot and Nils Hoaglander he tried to drive that rebound through the net, through the backboards, and like right out of Rogers Arena. That was a no-doubter and just an incredible play from Hoaglander, who's got three goals in 11 games. He was a healthy scratch once, 
but doesn't feel like he's going to be healthy scratch anytime soon the way that he is playing. He was an absolute prick uh, all night long. The Oilers were losing their minds, uh, chasing him around, and you know that's when you know that he's on his game. But that was such a big goal, uh, not just for Hoaglander, but for the hockey club to restore the two-goal lead at 4-2. to two. It provided them some insurance because then it looked like the Oilers had cut back into that lead a minute into the third period after the scramble and Warren Fogle ruled that he kicked the puck and who knows, maybe a makeup there, but I think the puck was going to go in regardless. He didn't have to kick at it, but kick it he did. Anyhow, uh, let's just go back to the Hoaglander goal because to me, that was a turning point in this hockey game that absolutely snuffed the life out of this Edmonton hockey club. I fully agree on his night. It was noisy. It was what we thought the Canucks were getting when we saw him in the post uh pandemic I saw this as a an annoying 15 to 20 goal player uh, you know that you know in his prime not not the very next season I think he would develop that quickly but that's what I thought he could be and we're, uh, tonight was a perfect example of what Niels Hoaglander can be uh, let's hope he can bottle it let's hope he can log it and remember what this feels like what this looks like and hey defensively there's still some foibles to be ironed out with him too but in terms from his own blue line to the opposition goal uh, that was near perfection for a guy of Niels Hoaglander's profile. So more of that, please. You know, Dakota Joshua was a healthy scratch in San Jose, and we thought that he responded the other night. This game kind of had the feeling that it really was going to be a powder keg as uh, frustrations boiled over. The mm-hmm. Oilers ultimately go kind of quietly into the night, but I, I felt that maybe Dakota Joshua was going to have a role in the final five minutes if it, you know, if he had to play that role, but. You know, nice pass to Pia Suter off the rush in the first period. And I think these guys realized that Teddy Bluger, he was on the ice of the morning skate this morning. So that was the first time that we've seen him back around the group. We were told he skated over the weekend. He's getting closer. And it sort of feels like some of these guys lower in the lineup, they recognize that fact, doing everything they can to plant their flag for a, a spot in this lineup. And, and those are the best decisions, I think, for coaching staff are when they're difficult because everybody is going. So... Uh, Bluger is supposed to go on the road trip, but Rick Tockett said this morning that he's going to need a couple of practices. It's a three-game and four-night road trip, so there won't be a lot of practice time out on the road. So I don't know that he plays on this road trip, but he's getting closer and certainly within the next couple of weeks. And I know they've been saying week to week for Teddy Bluger for a while now, but if that on any level is serving as motivation, uh, it seems to be bringing out the desired result in uh, some of those guys a little bit lower in the lineup. Does this qualify as the first night where the Stars weren't necessarily their true best players? And this comes on a night where JT Miller still had a goal and an assist. Brock Besser had two goals. So it's not like they were invisible, but it did feel like the bottom six kept things on the rails so that, you know, Besser and Miller and ultimately even Hughes, who had two third period assists, could have bigger nights. It was a perfect bottom six kind of night, and they held it together, and, and everybody defended against guys like Drysaddle and, and McDavid pretty well in the final 40 minutes, I thought, and they kept this team in it. Whatever the motivation was, we've been waiting for a bottom six kind of night, and that was one. I think that qualifies. Yeah, and I think we are starting to see Pia Suter find his footing. I think he had played reasonably well in the first bunch of games, but had nothing to show for it. And when you're treading water, if you're not scoring, you can't get scored upon. That's been the downside and the downfall for the bottom six here for too many years now. And so he was playing all right and playing to a soft most nights, but now he's providing offense and generating and he scored. And it was a big goal. As we said, it put the Canucks in front at two to one and had their first lead of the night. 
but he had a great chance at 4-2 to two in tight in the second period and then hit a post on the power play. Uh, he was set up by Elias Pettersson off the rush in the third period. Like, I looked through my notes, and I've got B.S. Suter throughout. And, and so that's a good sign to me that he's, you know, he's starting to emerge as more than just uh, a defensive conscience and a guy that's sort of a stopgap. He is now generating, providing more offense in that next layer behind the stars who just continue to produce at an outrageous rate. And you're right, Quinn Hughes has four more points. This was his third three or more point game in the last four. Like he is just absolutely <laughs> on fire. Uh, and if Elias Pettersson hadn't had the assist on the Brock Besser goal to round out the scoring in the final yeah. minute, Quinn Hughes would have had a share of the NHL scoring lead. As it stands, BD moves one in front. So Elias Pettersson is the outright scoring leader in the National Hockey League at the completion of play here. He's got 21 points. And Quinn has now joined Jack, who's on the shelf for a little while. And two Hughes brothers have 20 points apiece. I repeat, Quinn Hughes is up to 20 points and just one off the NHL scoring lead. Like, it just, it's mind-boggling stuff, but we say that on a nightly basis. So uh, one of these nights is not going to be mind-boggling. We're just going to accept the greatness that we are witnessing from Quinn Hughes. Right I now. was really hoping for another heroic point, too, because if Heronic <laughs> had gotten one more point, he would have been in a tie for second in defenseman scoring. It would have been Quinn and Roenick one step down in a tie with uh, Victor Hedman. So gaudy, gaudy stuff. And even the guys that aren't truly going. It, it was another one-point night for Kuzmenko, who fought the puck. He probably should have got a, a goal late in the game there. Was it on the power play where it jumped over his stick yeah. and he had to just curl back? I mean, it, it, he's not right. And yet, he's effectively a point per game. Because I think he got his, what, 10th point in 12 games tonight. So he's hovering right around a point per game. And yet we haven't seen much from Kuzmenko at all, and he's got three and seven. So if those are your underperforming players, you know something's going right in your season. We'll get to the stat that stands out, and there are just so many around this hockey club right now, but Kuzmenko made the drop pass to Hughes, who played that puck in front and went in off DeHarnay. That tied the game at one. That was Quinn's fifth goal of the season. And so this was one of those storylines that I followed pretty closely last year when the Canucks were dead last in the NHL in goals from defensemen. And they had 22 all of last season. Quinn's up to five himself. So he's two off last year's total for the entire season. But the Canucks as a team have nine. They're tied with the Rangers and Carolina in that department. So from dead last last year, and there's a lot of runway here. We'll see if they can sort of hold serve. But in the here and now with Patterson leading the league in scoring and Quinn Hughes right there, here's another category in which the Vancouver Canucks are atop the league statistics and that is goals from defensemen. Quinn Hughes has five. Susie has a pair. Tyler Myers has two. Aronik's bound to get one at some point. I mean, he's just racking up the assists. You wonder. Like, when you're dead last in any statistical category, there's only one way to go up. So I figured that they would get a little bit more from their defensemen this season. And I think we all thought because he's just so talented and because he has the puck on his stick so much that Quinn Hughes should get to double digits. Well, Blake, he's at five, and they're not even a month into this season. You know, because there was a good lead-in game, the Bolts and the Leafs, I noticed yep. the uh, Toronto media had stayed up to watch this game a, le- ah. a little bit. Oh, good. Brian Hayes from TSN's Overdrive show called Quinn Hughes a video game. I think that was only at point number two or three on the night. Mm. The people out east got awoken to what the Vancouver Canucks are this season. I don't know what's going on here. It feels like we're living in a parallel universe of some sort. Uh, we can't fully explain why everything is clicking so, so well. 
But Quinn Hughes is dancing back there. And we said on the weekend, weird game for him, kind of fighting it. Boy, he was not fighting it again today. He was in absolute control, whirling Dervish back there. And it didn't seem like anybody could get the puck off him. And there was a couple instances, 1v1 versus Connor McDavid. And the smaller Hughes still able to get a poke check on, on McDavid, slow him up enough, and then he'd usually get some support and get the puck off of uh, McDavid. So, again, the defensive prowess is there. He's another plus two. He's a plus 16 on the season. So he's well above a plus per game, if you will. Are, are, are we looking at like a plus 100 season here oh. for Quinn Hughes after all is said and done? I know we keep saying like this can't continue, like the outrageous offense and the power play the way it's going and all those things, but... Like we said that after a couple of games, and here we are now after a dozen mm-hmm. games, and you do wonder where this ultimately is headed. And look, the Oilers dominated so heavily in the first period that the underlying numbers weren't kind to many on this night. There were a couple of guys on the Canucks that held their head above water, but a guy like Quinn Hughes, you know, at even strength, individual course of 45%, so defending a little more than you would like. But as we said, I mean, the ice was so slanted in that first period. Uh, the Oilers outshot the Canucks 16-11 to 11 when Quinn was on the ice. But the Canucks outscored the Oilers 3-zip. So at even strength, he's not on the ice for a goal against, and yet generating offense uh, at the other end and, and helping this team do what it does. What I thought was interesting tonight, and again, you know, nothing was going particularly well for the Canucks in the first period, you got to give stick taps to the coaching staff. I mean, just about every button that they're pushing right now as well we wondered, like, how long will we see Hughes and Heronic together? Now, they played together in this hockey game, but when the first period was going a little sideways, they felt that they had to make some adjustments. And so uh, at even strength, Quinn Hughes played 9 minutes and 40 seconds with Philip Heronic, but he also played 4 minutes and 7 seconds with Tyler Myers, so it wasn't exclusive with Heronic, they split those two up at times, and and that's the luxury that they've got. That you know you can play them together and sort of turbocharge your offense, and that's worked most of the season. But if you have to go away from them right now, they're both so dialed in that they can carry their own pairing. And so I thought uh, some creative work from the coaching staff in the way that they handled the defense pairs uh, in this hockey game. Would love to see too the you know some of those stats that you t- you talked about for Hughes, whether it's shots or Corsi, which he was on the negative side. You know, is that just from the caved-in first period? Uh, you know, like right. I, I wonder if a lot of the damage was done in that first period when it was so frenetic from the Oilers. The goalie bails them out, and then they just get back on their horse over the final two periods and and kind of look like themselves over the final forty minutes. So, still, I, I thought a very tidy night offensively and defensively for Hughes. And everybody else had their skittish moments, obviously in the first period. And I thought there was a little bit of weirdness from Friedman at times, even later on, but he writes the ship and he's on the plus side of the ledger for shots and for for Corsi as well. So. You know, everybody sort of was able to get their balance again after the shaky first. Just look at the way the game unfolds. I mean, it's gravy at the end, obviously, final minute, but Brock Besser's up to double digits. Oh, boy. Brock Besser has 10 goals now. Six of them have come against the Oilers. Four on opening night and two more here, torching them with the man advantage. Uh, Five minutes remaining in the first period. He scored to make it 3-1 to and then... Rounds out the scoring at 6-2. to two. Besser from Pedersen and Hughes, 1904. That third period's a nice passing and an easy finish for Brock Besser, 
who's made a lot of his goals look pretty easy this season. But in a season full of incredible stories, the fact that Brock Besser is the first Canuck to double digits and is among the goal-scoring leaders in the National Hockey League. He is just two back now of the San Jose Sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Is that going to be a running bit here on Rinkwide? Yes, the answer is yes. It's going to be a running bit. We'll do our Besser versus the Shark update uh, for a while. But it's good to see. I mean, he looks like he's having fun. And, and why wouldn't he be? Uh, this entire team is having fun, but it's nice to see him contributing. And the first of his two tonight was a meaningful one. The other one, again, in garbage time, but so be it. Uh, you're not going to rack up goal totals unless you get a couple of freebies uh, along the way. So uh, this one's not an empty netter, but he did score an empty netter in Florida to seal that victory. Uh, again, you add them all up, and he's sitting with 10, which is uh, just incredible for a guy that had five at Christmas time. One year ago. I'll correct you. It was an empty netter. The goalie was on the ice, just a little out of position. Yeah. You could probably make that case that uh, a number of the Canuck yes. goals were empty netter-ish because we've kind of run through them all. But just to get into a little more detail, like the P.S. Suter goal off the rush, Joshua makes a nice play, but that's just a bad save. Like that yeah. goal, that puck goes right through Stuart Skinner. You know, the Oilers had done so well to get the one nothing lead. Then they're unfortunate on the Hughes bounce. But they're still in that game and still controlling play in the first period, and that was just a, an absolute gut punch. That's a save they needed and they didn't get, and and that's been a story, obviously, for them, not just this year, but, you know, it, it's incredible. I mean, McDavid and Dreisaitl, certainly, that's as quiet as I remember McDavid, uh, you know, in a game in Rogers Arena in recent memory, uh, and then for him to, to lose his mind and the penalties and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, they've got these two offensive weapons. They've surrounded them with Zach Hyman, Evander Kane you talked about, the Nuge. I thought he had a pretty quiet night as well. Like the, the top end obviously is there, but for years it's been a secondary scoring and goaltending. And it just kind of feels like time is standing still when you look at this Edmonton team that gets next to nothing from its bottom six and the Canucks get goals from Suter and Hoaglander. And then the goaltending battle is not even a fair fight in this hockey game in which Thatcher Demko makes 40 more saves. Where are the Oilers with Thatcher Demko? Oh, Dave and Drysdale must leave the rink and ask that question themselves. You know, they were already a Stanley Cup contender in people's minds because they just thought the skaters were so good, the the forwards were so good. But in, in light of the fact they don't have a great defense... Thatcher Demko would go miles for them, and the updated stats are that. 948 save percentage when you tack on today's performance. Goals against average staying steady at 1.61. These are ungodly, or more specifically, godly numbers <laughs> is really for for uh, Demko. I mean, 948 save percentage for a guy with nine games started under his belt. Uh, I, I, I don't recall that for a Vancouver Canuck in my time. Canucks will... Pack their bags. They will travel to Ottawa on Tuesday, get in, get a practice on Wednesday, take on the Senators on Thursday, and then into Toronto on Saturday and back-to-back into Montreal on Sunday. So a quick three-game road trip to Eastern Canada, a week of Canadian opponents that starts off with a big 6-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers to go 3-0 and against the Oilers take the season series as they win this one by a score of 6-2. to How about your Betway bet of the night, Blake? We'll stay with the tomorrow night's schedule in the National Hockey League, and we'll get a little more schadenfreude with the Alberta teams, shall we? The Nashville Predators paying a visit to the Calgary Flames, and Nashville, uh, they've already split with the Oilers to start the season. Can they steal one in Alberta over the Flames? 2-15 on the Preds to beat the Flames in Cowtown. 
Please play responsibly. Must be 19 years of age or older. The Vancouver Canucks defeat the Edmonton Oilers 6-2. We're just getting started. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. Canucks down the Oilers, 6-2. It's Rinkwide Vancouver. Jeff and Blake with you. Let's get inside that locker room, Blake. I'm curious to hear from... Well, a handful of the principals. We're going to hear from the head coach. We'll hear from JT Miller, who, again, another mighty night for JT Miller. And, of course, we've talked a lot about Thatcher Demko. We'll hear from him as well. But uh, always like Rick Tockett's sort of summation of the hockey game. So this was the coach after his team beats the Oilers for the third time this season. Yeah, they came out firing, and Demko was obviously all-world for us. It was about 15 minutes we were under siege. <coughs> Denver, you know does Demmer things he was incredible then we found our game so um that's the way we look at it you know so obviously we're pretty happy with for Demko what he what he did for us talked about 15 minutes under siege I would agree with him there I mean that's yeah. uh, kind of how we saw it as well but you know hey it's pro sports it's not really how you start ultimately it's how you finish and uh, the Canucks are doing a pretty nice job of that with four straight victories now when you don't have your a game you need something to stave off the enemy until you can find your game and that's the luxury of Thatcher Demko right now so um, there's a lot of praise throughout the entire post game comments from players and coaches alike for Demko for for keeping them in that spot yeah and early in the season it was I mean obviously opening night the 8-1 romp and that was led by Besser with his four but Patterson was going and Miller was going Hughes Demko uh, although he had to leave that game, he made it through this one, uh, start to finish. So that was a, a, an upgrade for him over opening night against the Oilers on Roger at Rogers Arena. But now, as we said, there's some secondary scoring here, and the coach obviously taking note of that. He liked what he saw from his uh, bottom two lines in this hockey game. Yeah, um, big goal by Hoggy. Um, suits was good. Suiter's line was good. Um, you know, I thought uh, Gars was you know, Gars has been playing good hockey for us. You know. Probably you can try to find a few minutes for a guy like him, but I thought he's he's been really good. Uh, yeah, bottom six. I, I think bottom six the last couple of weeks have really been energized our team. And, and like I said before, when there's a lot of power play and penalty calls, they got to sit there for five, six minutes. It's tough, and that's why I really respect those guys. Well, I guess if we're going to go nicknames, uh, we'll call him Talk, but uh, I love that. Hoggy and Gars and <laughs> Demmer. Uh, yeah. Connor, Connor Garland is like he's an interesting character because I agree. Like I thought he was moving around and making things happen and had the Oilers chasing him and uh, playing well defensively. But it's now eleven games. He scored the first goal of the season. If you remember the alley oop from Elias yeah. Pettersson, he hasn't scored since. And this is the knock on Connor Garland. And I know he's lower in the lineup. And they're winning a bunch of hockey games, so I don't want to go deep here. But how many times do his goal droughts get to double digits? And here he is, 12 games into the season, scores on opening night, and hasn't scored since. So playing well, but he's getting $5 bucks. Like There does have to be a bottom line at some point. Quintessential Connor Garland night. Very speedy, lots of activity. And then he puts himself into a shooting position. He's a little shot happy today. He had four shot attempts, three of them on goal. But I just don't get the confidence that when he loads up for that shot, 
that anything's going to happen. And it, it, they felt like easy saves for the keeper every time he took one of those shots. I mean, they're all pulling on the rope in the right direction. So he's not hurting this hockey club at nope. all. It's nope. just, uh, again, at some point, and Suter's getting his now, and Hoaglander's up to three, and and there's Connor Garland stuck on that one goal that uh, opened the scoring for the Canucks this season. Now, on a night where we praise all the superstars, how about this? The coach with the highest of praise for a guy that... I'm not sure if Rick Tockett realizes this. He, he's This is uncharted territory in this market, I think. Uh, absolutely standing up and having the back of Tyler Myers. Listen to the coach and what he said about the way that Tyler Myers has played here for the last week or so. I think he's been unreal. Um, you know, uh, the last five games, he's been one of our best players. So, you know, maybe six games. So he's, uh, he's dialed in. He's really playing well for us. Proud of him. He's proud of him, Blakey. He called him unreal, one of their best <laughs> players over the last five or six games. Wasn't on the ice for a goal. It, like in any situation, uh, he didn't have the balance of shot share or, or shot attempts. But I'll be honest, there was a couple moments uh, late in the game when it was 4-2, I believe, where he was screaming down the right side and a nice little pocket pick that turned away the rush there for the Oilers. There are moments where he's been a pretty good defensive wall there for the Canucks. And using his length, using his reach to create a, a loose puck, he's played okay. And, and you know, we said this pregame as well. You know, like guys like Friedman and Myers have been the story by not being the story, Jeff. And, and I think that's more the same, although he has mysteriously got five points this season. You'll have to point out to me how Tyler Myers got to five points this season. I don't remember any of it. Two goals and three assists. But more importantly, they just have not been the story. Those are the weak spots on defense, both Friedman and Myers, and yet there's not a lot to say that they've done wrong, as Vertaka says, in particular in the last two weeks. Myers up to 20 minutes and 46 seconds on the night, so he played more than Ian Cole. So essentially, after Hughes and Heronic, you're at Tyler Myers up over 20 minutes, six block shots in this hockey game, so doing his part, uh, using the big frame to to try to help Thatcher Demko in that regard. But it's interesting. I mean, on some nights here, we've seen Cole and Friedman essentially eat up second pair of minutes, which leaves Carson Soucy and Tyler Myers as your third pair. Now, if that was the case... And every night out, that was your third pair. Like, that's a gigantic third pair. Yeah. You're looking at 6'5 and 6'7 or 6'8 and all sorts of reach and, you know, disruptive qualities there. If I knew that that they were going to be the third pair every night out, I, like, I think I'd be okay with that. And we've talked about Carson Soucy, you know, strong numbers as a third pairing guy down in Seattle the last couple of years. But we thought that he would probably play a little higher in the lineup here, that hasn't really happened, but in some ways less is more when it comes to that kind of player, and he's been a, a big part of their penalty kill. If they're your third pair, you're still wondering about Cole and Friedman over the long haul if they're going to eat up second pair minutes. But on a night like this, and on a lot of these nights recently, whether it's second pair, third pair, uh, they're getting the job done. And yes, Tyler Myers is playing some of his best hockey as a member of the Vancouver Canucks. So we heard from the coach. Let's hear from a few of the players that were key in this victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Again, three matchups against the Oilers this season. We talked about McDavid being held to his three points. A huge part of that is JT Miller, who absolutely seems to be embracing that head-to-head -head battle. Who wouldn't get fired up when you know that that's the assignment you're going to get? And the Oilers tried to move McDavid around a little bit and moved him onto different lines and try to get him away without the last change. Whatever the case, uh, 
yes, McDavid's individual Corsi in the first period was 16 to nothing. Uh, so he spent an awful lot of the first period in the Canucks zone, but ultimately the Canucks came out of the first period up three to one. And a big part of that, JT Miller, the job that he has done here, got under the skin of McDavid, and we saw that. In fact, there was that third period, that battle in front, and then Di Giuseppe got involved and Zach Hyman as well. But uh, JT Miller on the chippiness in this divisional clash. Well, I mean, I, we expected that. Um, they're a frustrated group. We've been there. Um, I know what it's like to be frustrated. And um, you know, they came out, they had a really good start tonight. But like I said, Denver gave us a chance to win the hockey game and get our feet under us. And uh, we expected it to be chippy. I mean, like I said, they're a frustrated group. Um, I thought we did a good job of sticking together as a team. I, I don't know about you, Blake. I, I lost track of how many times he mentioned that the Oilers were a frustrated team and, and they knew it. And obviously, I mean, they recognize where the Oilers are in the standings and they knew that they were going to get a game from the Edmonton Oilers, certainly. And as things start to unravel, I'm guessing that even the players on the Vancouver Canucks weren't surprised that frustration started to boil over for that Edmonton hockey club. JT Miller looked like he was in playoff mode. Uh, yep. He looked like he saw a, an opening there, a weakness from the best player on the planet in Connor McDavid. And he thought, you know what? I'm poking this bear. And, you know, <laughs> when you're up by three with five minutes to go, to, actually, at that point, I guess there was, what, 13 minutes to go, 14 minutes to go. Still, a bit of a bold move because you just you never know what the explosive offense is possible for the Oilers. But uh, maybe some confidence there from Miller that, no, my team's not, not breaking here, uh, not even bending, in fact. But it's fun to see. It's fun to see somebody poking the bear, and especially when the scoreboard's in your favor. I think JT Miller, if he hadn't won anybody over in the city just yet, his performance tonight, and I don't even mean goal and assist, his, his performance with regards to McDavid might have uh, made it unanimous that JT Miller's in everybody's good books right now. Miller's goal had to be reviewed. The horn sounded as play went on. He's up to seven now on the season, in and out, uh, off the back bar. Seven goals, 11 assists, 18 points. Like there's five guys in the NHL with more points than JT Miller. Check that. There's four guys in the NHL hmm. with more points than JT Miller. And two of them are his teammates, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Again, it's just bonkers. And when you look at power play goals, Miller got his fourth of the season uh, in this hockey game. There are two guys with more power play goals than JT Miller. And one of them is his teammate, Brock Besser. Chris Kreider also up to five for the New York Rangers. So uh, JT Miller's getting it done at both ends of the ice. Uh, can that last all season? Well, we'll find out. But right now, like so many Canucks, uh, he is dialed in, as is Thatcher Demko. Uh, this is JT Miller just uh, singing the praises of his goaltender after the 6-2 victory. You know, we try to make it e as easy on him as we can in a sense and let him play. I know Talk always talks about half the net, so... It seems like it doesn't matter. The guy's unbelievable. He's uh, playing with so much confidence right now. He's so big in the net, and he really kept the first 10 minutes of that game in check for us and gave us a chance to win. And Thatcher Demko just continues to give the Vancouver Canucks chances to win night after night after night. The home record, they're up to 5-0-1 oh, on home ice, and Demko is such a huge part of that. Now, they don't want to hang him out to dry the way they did in the first 15 minutes, but again, like, I almost feel like the Canucks don't feel that bad about the first 15 minutes just because they know that their goaltender is there until they find their footing in hockey games. It's a dangerous way to play, and it will come back to bite them uh, if it happens too often, but uh, they certainly get away with less than their best early on, but uh, got better as the night went along. By the way, the home 
goal differential too. Just <laughs> shocking when you we did this last time, so we won't yep. do the math for you again. But just add six two <laughs> to the two ledgers. It's right. it's getting downright gaudy. So um, offense continues to to tick. The defense and goaltending continues to do what they're doing, and it's a full blown juggernaut right now as they head out east. Demko was asked about the bump behind the net and uh, sort of in typical Thatcher Demko fashion, he downplayed it. Uh, ultimately, the end result is what matters the most. So he's the last line of defense. We'll leave the last word on this 6-2 victory to the Canucks goaltender who's playing out of his mind. These days, it's fun to watch. And uh, obviously, Demko liked the result in this victory over the Oilers. That was great. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a big one. These are important games. And um you know, it doesn't matter if it's at the beginning of the year or, you know, later in the year, it's two points. So um, just really happy with how we've we've stuck through games and um, stayed the course and, and found ways to win. So it's a, a great job and uh, a few important games out east coming up this week. And yeah, heading out east now, as we said, Ottawa Thursday, Toronto. That's going to be some fun. Uh, all these players that are playing so well and going to uh, the center of the hockey universe on Saturday night with feature game on hockey night if they haven't got uh, their due uh, you kind of feel like uh, Hockey Night's going to be forced to spend a great deal of Saturday night talking about Demko and Hughes and Pedersen and Miller and and on and on it goes. In terms of like the full-throated starters in the NHL, guys that have played nine games or more, seven goalies have played nine games or more. So amongst those goalies, like no one comes close in terms of uh, of wins, A, seven wins for Thatcher Demko in those nine starts. Uh, and, and in terms of save percentage, I mean, there's there's some decent ones. 907 for Jonas Johansson in, in uh, Tampa Bay, 905 for Bobrovsky, 909 for UC Soros, but 948 for Thatcher Demko. He's just absolutely on fire right now. You have to get to guys that have had the odd night off in order to get some comparable numbers. I think Jake Ottinger is the best comparable. He's 5-2-1 in eight games and with a 9.33 save percentage. So still good, but nowhere near what Thatcher Demko's got. Yeah, and Ottinger and the Dallas Stars lost to the Boston Bruins uh, as the Canucks were beating the Edmonton Oilers. So back-to-back uh, -back losses now for the Dallas Stars, who came into Vancouver uh, on Saturday and had just one regulation loss, and now they're up to three. And again, there's two teams ahead of the Canucks in the standings. The Vegas Golden Knights with 23 points. The Boston Bruins have 21. And there are the Canucks alone in third with 19, and they do have a game in hand on the Golden Knights. Oh, by the way, Vegas is going to be here at the end of the month. Uh, we said earlier that uh, when the Canucks come off this road trip, it's the return of Bo Horvat, so that should be a night. Seattle's in for the first time this season, a little later on this month as well. So, uh, again, there's jump in this building right now. It's fun, and it's all building to the end of the month when the Vegas Golden Knights are at Rogers Arena on the 30th of November. Let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver three stars of this hockey game. We like to select our own three stars here at rink wide, but uh, also like to look at who was selected in the building. The three stars at Rogers Arena were Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko, and Brock Besser. Can I keep giving you so many options just about every night out? I'm going Demko for a star. I just think the game doesn't unfold the way it does if That's he doesn't right. if he doesn't turn in the shift that he did in the first period. So I've got Thatcher Demko as the first star. Can't go wrong with Quinn Hughes with another four point performance up to twenty on the season. So I've got Quinn Hughes. Uh, as the second star in this hockey game. And yeah, I know Besser scored twice and he's up to 10, but again, there's a lot here to go around. 
I'm going to go a little lower in the lineup. I, I thought Nils Hoaglander was just, the, the motor was running. It was nice to see him rewarded with a goal and a big goal at that uh, after the Oilers had cut the lead to one in the second period and felt like maybe they had some momentum. Hoaglander responded midway through the second. So I've got Nils Hoaglander on the night as the third star of this hockey game. So Demko, Hughes, and Hoaglander, the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. Breaking down a 6-2 Canuck victory over the Edmonton Oilers. It is rink-wide Vancouver. Jeff and Blake with you. We'll get to the stat that stands out here in a sec, but Blake, let's tell our friends uh, about Jason Hominick. Well, we've talked a lot about residential mortgages in our years of telling you about Jason Hominick, but just a reminder to our business owners out there, maybe you're looking to buy, maybe you're a developer or builder, or you're investing in a rental building, get up to 95, maybe 100% financing with many of your commercial mortgages. Got questions? Jason Hominick will be the one that answers them. Go to jason.mortgage. When you look at the Vancouver Canucks and the way that they have defeated the Edmonton Oilers, 8-1 on opening night, and then they went into Edmonton, bent but didn't break, and won 4-3 two nights later. Uh, this one's a 6-2 final. The Canucks went 3-for-6 on the man advantage. The last two goals of this hockey game, Miller and Besser in the third period, they both came on the power play. Oilers started to take some penalties, get frustrated. And you remember on opening night, Connor McDavid, after the game, was questioning why they had put Casey DeSmith in, thought that somehow that was an insult to the Oilers, didn't know that Demko was sick, but he also seemed to have some issues with the fact that the Canucks had their top power play unit out late in a hockey game that was in full control. And I don't know if this was related to that, but here were the Canucks. I think it was more the fact that the Oilers were starting to run around, and even with a minute to go in the hockey game, there was power play one out there, and sure enough, Hughes to Patterson, Patterson to Besser to the back of the net. So I don't think the Canucks care too much what Connor McDavid thinks of, you know, how they deploy the players they've got uh, in various game states. But uh, I do think that there was a little bit of message sending on this night at the very least. Again, they don't see the Oilers now till game 80, April 13th. So we'll see if the Oilers have a long memory. We'll see where the Oilers are by the time game 80 rolls around. It, it certainly was worth noting that Rick Tockett wasn't messing around and put his big guns out there in a 5-2 game on the power play to make it 6-2 as a final score. And he hasn't been shy to do that in several games, and uh, you wonder if the reputation will get around a little bit that the Canucks play at least a 58-minute game. Like I think eventually Rick Tockett has the wherewithal to step back and say, okay, second unit can start, but they're going to take it pretty deep into the game to, to make sure that the game is squared away and that they get the maximum number of goals. I mean, honestly, I, I thought about this a little bit, but it's the Oilers. And would you be surprised if the Oilers scored two goals in 30 seconds, and then all of a sudden it's 5-4 if you don't put the throttle down? I don't think you take the chances. I, I, I don't mind it this time around. All right, that brings us to the stat that stands out, and it all is power play related. There's a couple of them. They go three for six tonight. On the season against the Oilers, the Canucks are seven for 15 with the man advantage. So basically a coin toss. If Edmonton's going to take penalties against the Canucks, the Canucks will make them pay. They have scored seven power play goals on 15 opportunities. As a team, the Canucks have 15 power play goals. Seven of them have come at the expense of the Edmonton Oilers. So the Oilers' penalty kill has some work to do. This Canucks power play on the season now is 15 for 46, which is 32.6%. So power play that is... 
basically clicking one of every three opportunities. Again, it's going to be impossible to stay at that, but we always talk about early season. I mean, at some point, early season gives way to the first quarter. They're 12 games into the season now. Before you know it, they'll be at the 20-game mark. And this power play, you know, at the outset of the season, the component parts were there. There were questions about ultimately who was calling the shots and, you know, this idea of convening committee meetings to run the power play. You, you kind of wondered a little bit. Every button that this team is pushing right now, it feels like he's working, and the power play absolutely is on fire. And they'll need it on the road. Is it another trap game in, in Ottawa? Toronto found its legs. It was a big gutsy win for Toronto, so that's going to be... And Montreal surprised people. Montreal's won more games, I think, through the first you know month of the season than people were giving them credit for. So got to be a little bit careful about Ottawa and Montreal because there's enough talent that on any given night they can bite you. Yeah, I think Toronto's really got your attention um, with the way that they played. Now, they've got the same issue, though, as the Edmonton Oilers, of course, with goaltending. Um, so... You know, if the Canucks can have a successful first period, do they sink that team much the same way that they sunk the Edmonton Oilers? We'll have to see. Senators are up next. They're four and six through their first ten games with uh, as much noise as just about That's anybody right. around the National Hockey yeah. League off the ice, and so some issues there. But they have a positive goal differential, which is interesting when you just think of a team that's sitting with four wins through its first 10 games. So there are some issues with the Senators. Uh, we'll see if they can sort them out, and I'm sure they'll be fully aware of what the Canucks have been up to here in the first dozen games. And this is another thing, too, with the schedule. I mean, this is the Canucks' second trip to the Eastern time zone already before the season is a month old. Now, we know that uh, they scuffled along through Philadelphia and Tampa, but then picked things up and and were able to get wins in Florida and Nashville and ended up going 3-2 and two on that first trip. But, uh, you know, get a lot of these uh, long air miles out of the way in the early going with the record that they've got. And, you know, that should, in theory, benefit them later on in the season. So they go east with a ton of confidence. And why wouldn't they? They've won four in a row, seven of their last eight. They're 9-2-1-1 with 19 points through a dozen hockey games. Uh, these are heady times for the Vancouver Canucks who defeat the Edmonton Oilers by a score of 6-2. to two. I'm telling you, these are fun nights here to be doing. Rinkwide Vancouver and we'll continue to do the post-game pod after each and every Canuck game. Uh, we get to go, uh, we get to work a little earlier uh, with the Eastern starts here That's right. uh, for three of the next four. So for Blake, this is Jeff. As always, thanks so much for listening to another edition of Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway.